When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? I hope you're well. The transfer window is closed, certainly in terms of incoming deals. And as I'm recording on Thursday evening, we have signed Kieran Tierney from Celtic. The left-back joins for £25 million, making him the most expensive Scottish footballer of all time. What's he going to bring to Arsenal? What kind of impact can he have at this football club and in the Premier League? A little bit later on in the show, I will talk to a Celtic fan to find out exactly how he's feeling about the transfer and what he thinks about Kieran Tierney as a player and his suitability for Arsenal in the Premier League, etc., etc. So that's coming up a little bit later on. But as I sit here now at 1852... On Thursday evening, recording this bit, having already recorded a couple of guests to talk about the transfer window and all that in general, there are two deals that have yet to be announced. One is David Luiz, who we're all expecting to be uh, our new central defender. That has yet to be confirmed by the Arsenal website. Officially, he is not yet an Arsenal player. And Alex Iwobi who is on his way to Everton for around £40 million. So that's where we are right now at the time of recording. And about an hour ago, I did a recording with uh, two guests who are going to talk about the transfer window. So bear in mind that those things had not happened then either. Of course, they didn't happen then, because if they'd happened by then, they would have happened by now. And there is no time travel element to the transfer window. So join me a bit later on for some Celtic Kieran Tierney chat. But for now, let's go back to the conversation I had with those two people talking about the transfer window, the signings we've made, the work we've done, how people are feeling about it on the eve of a new season, all of that and more. And I'll be back later with more stuff for you to listen to because this is a podcast. There you go. Okay, with me to make some sense of the transfer window, which I was expecting to be closed at this point, but it isn't quite. We'll explain more in a moment. Um, Andrew Allen, hello to you. Hey there. And Tayo Papula, hello to you. Hello, pal. How are you? I'm good. I just I want to set the scene for people here. It's 17.50 on Thursday evening. The transfer window closes or closed at 1700. So I was fully expecting everything to be done and dusted by the time we were having this conversation. As it stands, we have signed Kieran Tierney from Celtic. That's gone through. That's official. There has not yet been official confirmation of the David Luiz deal. And 
Everton, as far as we know, have submitted what they call a deal sheet to the Premier League, which gives them until 7 o'clock this evening to complete a, de- a deal for Alex Iwobi. Um, Tayo, you can hold your tears there just for a moment and we'll, we'll talk about that. But So that's where we are. It's not as clear-cut as I, re- I was expecting it to be. Um, but we do have other stuff, of course, that we can talk to and you guys can monitor our uh, Twitter and what have you while we're talking. And if, if things become official as we're talking... Um, we can discuss them. I mean, Andrew, at this point, do you have any slight worries about the David Luiz thing? No, no, I think it'll get done. Um, I mean, they've had pretty much all day, it sounds like, to work on it. I'm sure it's probably more just a case from the Arsenal point of view of sort of regulating the, the content coming out of the club website. Right, OK, so it's not a case that Chelsea have done a Demba Ba on us. Nah, no? I don't think so. Okay. Petr Cech's there now. They're gentlemen. They wouldn't dare do anything like that. <laughs> Petr Cech wouldn't do us a bad turn, would he? After all the amazing years he had with us, winning so many things and saving us 10 points, <laughs> 10 points a season. Um, Tayo, uh, Alex Iwobi, it's come a bit out of the blue today anyway. There was talk about uh, an Everton bid yesterday of £30 million, which was rejected, and we got stories which said that Unai Emery wanted to keep him, and that was that. And the whole day went without any word whatsoever until about 10 to 5, and all of a sudden Everton are back in at what we believe is 35 to £40 million. Pounds. What, what are you thinking? I'm sitting here playing, just before you called, I was sitting here playing King Sunny Ade records and drinking Nigerian <laughs> Guinness and crying, <laughs> crying at, the, at the fact that Niger- we were getting closer to making Arsenal African again. Oh. And as a fellow Nigerian has pointed out to me on Twitter, Yinka, like, we haven't had an invincible season when we haven't had a Nigerian playing for us. <laughs> so, this club, this this club is doing itself damage. Or... We've just made it much more no. difficult to go through an entire season unbeaten now, yeah. Yeah, mm. um, I mean, okay, I mean, my my heart says, my heart's a bit gutted. I've always, as you know, I've, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of him and I want him to work for, I mean, for his potential um, that he's shown, um, as well as, as I say, the obvious fact that he's Nigerian. And if I was being... Um, uh, if I was using my head instead of my heart, then you'd say, that's some good business. That's some good business. Um, but I, when you grow up with these players, when you watch, when these players grow up with you, I should say, then you want, you want it to work out. And there's always, and there's always a, you know, your heart goes down a little bit when, when, when it doesn't work, we've seen so many almost players like that and he's mm. I guess the latest one so I'm a bit disappointed for that I can see the bit I can see the logic for it I think there's some other dead who he's not dead wood I can see the other people in the in, in, in the squad who would have liked to have seen go instead of him especially if it's a you know a balancing the books affair you yeah. know so um so at the moment, that's kind of taken a little bit of a shine off what has been quite a fun transfer window. Yeah, David Ornstein, uh, of course, who knows all. Um, he says Alex Iwobi is undergoing a medical in London and will sign a five-year contract to join Everton from Arsenal. All should be completed without a problem by the 7 p.m. deadline. Andrew, it felt, given the way that we were spending money this summer and the fact that we're a Europa League club and 
that we have basically, when you add it all up and subtract and do all the maths, we have basically done what we, uh, we've done this window within that, you know, fabled 40, 45 million pound budget mark, more or less. So it felt like somebody was going to have to be sold. And I think it would be fair to say that there were a couple of players at the club who Arsenal would have liked to sell before they sold Alex Iwobi, but they're more difficult to sell, whereas Iwobi mm. is a young talent, uh, got lots of Premier League experience. You can see how he would fit into a team like Everton, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. whereas if you're trying to shift a player, for example, like Mkhitaryan, who's on 200 grand a week and Arsenal would love to get those wages off the uh, you know off the salary bill then that's very difficult because there are a few suitors someone like Skodran Mustafi as well for example hmm. you know it, it is damaged goods it is difficult to sell a player like that so the reality of having to to sell somebody and, and bring some money in to balance the books means that Iwobi is the guy yeah and look i think 40 million quid for Alex Iwobi I mean, I'd, I'd probably have taken that and I'd have done that before any of the deals that we've ended up doing. I mean, it's it's just sound business, right? I mean, that's I like Alex Iwobi. I think there are qualities that he has that we have potentially missed from other players, you know, his ability to carry the ball yeah. and stuff. Um, but he's he's far from the finished article. And and the fact is, you know, we've managed to benefit from, from an English premium here, you know, selling to an English club, um, with the time, you know, ticking has really benefited us. And, and this is the type of deal that we have not done well in the past. Um, mm. I think it's really interesting that Alex Awobi, something I looked up just as the deal was being announced, was, is going to leave Arsenal as the record departure. We will never have sold a player for more money than we will Alex Awobi, which is amazing, really, when you think of some of the players that have passed through our hands. Yeah. Uh, um, so, look, I think I think it's a decent bit of business. I think the fact that we have Reese Nelson, uh, Bakayo Saka, you know, kind of lining up behind him, you know, there were some other young talents, Martinelli. I think, I think there's a there's a nice little chain of people there who can step into his shoes. So, while I'm sad as as Tayo said to like lose a player who's come through our academy, at the same time, like it's decent business. It is. I mean, for an academy player, forty million pounds was well, forty million pounds profit. Of course, you've paid the guy and you've you've educated him and everything else. Um, mm. And like you, you know, he wouldn't have been top of my list to be to be sold. But there is Martinelli, there is Saka, there is Reese Nelson, there is uh, perhaps Emil Smith Rowe who can play mm. there. And and I would hope that as we sort of appear to be regenerating this Arsenal team that the absence of Iwobi or the gap that Iwobi leaves in the squad would be filled by those players rather than some of the players who've been underperforming. Um, and I'm thinking Mkhitaryan in particular here. Mm, mm, yeah, I mean, look, I honestly, if, if, if Mkhitaryan or Ozil had gone this summer, I probably wouldn't have been that bothered. And, you know, if that had been Iwobi who got to stay, then fine. But the fact is now we, we, we do have some young talents. Obviously, we've got Nicolas Pepe, who's who's there as well. Someone who can do what Iwobi did, which is dribble, carry the ball a long distance and actually hopefully finish <laughs> the ball more regularly. Um, 
Look, I, 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 sometimes you, you, you look at these situations and it was always it was always starting to look a bit too good to be true, right? I mean, you couldn't, we, as you said right at the beginning of the show, we couldn't just keep spending the money and assume that we weren't going to have to balance the books at some point. Now, I think because of the way the timings worked out and the way this window is closing before the season and other European nations have opportunities to buy players afterwards, I think this has been a real case of take the money and run because... We might still potentially sell players like El Nenny, Mustafi. Um, you know, we could still kind of raise a bit of cash there. But I think this really was a case of let's just do this deal while it's on the table. Tayo, um, you talked about the window being quite an exciting and fun one. We're, we're just uh, just reading there that we've got till seven o'clock, like Everton have with Awobi. We've got till seven o'clock to do the uh, to do the David Luiz thing. Can I ask you your first impressions when you heard that we were going to to um, bolster the centre of our defence following the departure of Captain Lauren Koscielny and and what have you with David Luiz? Like, what was your first reaction? Because I tell you what mine was. It was You're like <laughs> it was like what the fuck. That was my first oh. one. And then when I pondered it a bit, I could make some sort of sense from it, even if it did, it did strike me as kind of abstract comedy in a way. I'm curious as to what you thought. I laughed. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I laughed because it's funny. And look, I and this isn't like a revisionist thing. I've had a Chelsea mate on the phone to me immediately saying, like, if you say anything nice about him, then I'm having you. But look, I've always liked him because he's in a kind of clownish way. Not that I wanted him to play for my club. Um, at this stage, um, when you're after a centre-half, as we desperately have been, and it's not looking like that we're going to get the targets that we wanted, um, I kind of threw my hands up, a little bit drunk on this transfer window anyway. I kind of threw my hands up and just went, well, look, why not? I, and <laughs> I'm not, look, why not? I mean, that was genuinely, that's genuinely my reaction. Look, yeah, why, why not? Why? This stuff has happened. He's really, you know, he can play really well. I think we're obviously getting the worst of him in terms of his career, you know, career in the same way that, you know, I'm still a little bit bitten by by Gallas. And if there's there's always an element of when you when you move between the English clubs, whenever, which is something that we haven't had that often, at least coming our way, it's an element of getting one up on, you know, some of your mates, you know, you want them to be gutted, you know, the best example being, you know, the captain who won the double, for example, there it is. Right. <laughs> so, so when you've got, when you get a player from Chelsea um, or when you get a player from another club, like we, you know, we did this with Mikel Silvestre, I can still hear United fans laughing in my ears. So we're not getting the best of um, David Luiz and we're not getting the better of the, our friends who support, you know, who support his club. But in a grown, in, in a more grown up way, we're getting a footballer who is better than some of the central defenders that we've got. So if it has to be him, um, then it has to be him. So that's not a ringing endorsement, but it's <laughs> going to make Arsenal fun again. Yeah, it is going to add some measure of... I don't know what exactly it is because you know you could you could easily say that one of the players we have in our defense makes clownish mistakes and nobody's <laughs> got any nobody's got any time for that but there seems to be something a bit more endearing or emotional or something about yes. David Luiz right in that he does tend to wear his heart on his sleeve he can come one in from 30 yards he can take a free kick he's a very good passer of the ball I mean 
Socrates and Louise, look, we're 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 <laughs> we're in for some stuff this season, right? <laughs> we are not in a position. We are not in a position to scoff too much. We're in a position to laugh because Arsenal, but we're not in a position to scoff because you know, some point this season, right? Mustafi and Louise are going to be on the pitch, but hopefully at the same time as Pepe, Obama Young and Lagazette are going to be on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Kevin Keegan's Newcastle were fun to watch. Give me, give me some of that. And I think I said on Twitter yesterday that, like, you know, um, Louise will bang one in from 30 yards this season, hopefully against Spurs in the 86th minute, but he'll also do a back pass to Shane Long when we lose our regular Christmas away game to Southampton. So, I mean, I'm all in. You're, yeah, fully invested in this. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew? I mean, I, I can already see the, the headlines, you know. Arsenal surrendered a four-goal half-time lead for the third game in a row <laughs> as they drew four all away at Norwich, you know, that type of thing. Jeez Louise. <laughs> well, there's the title for you. There it is. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it is slightly mad, but then at the same time, like if if Koscielny had stuck around for the season, if you look at the bare stats, Koscielny was a year older. Um, you know he, he's still struggling with that Achilles injury, or at least it's you know in the back of his mind. Um, I can just about get on board with Louise given the circumstances, but it does also speak to the kind of paucity of centre backs that are available out there. And when you look at Manchester United spending eighty million quid on Maguire. I mean, what were we supposed to do? I mean, we, we didn't have that money and we certainly we certainly didn't have a plan to spend that money anyway. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. It'll be less fun when we're actually losing and it's his fault, but it'll... It, yeah, when we're, when we're back here in November with you, Andrew, or whenever, yeah, um, it will be... It's, it's funny because the season hasn't started, right? But really, we've seen what, you know, you saw the massive jump there. Liverpool got with their massive centre-half signing. I really wanted this, you know, um, and who knows whether United will have the same with, 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 with Maguire. And there's a history of a bastard good defender making the big, making a difference. And we do need that. And, mm. and so from that, so standing away from the comedy element for a moment, I'm still kind of, I'm a bit nervous about it. You know, we shipped... Was it, is it 51 goals last season? We shipped so yep. many goals last season in the Premier League and have our signings this summer um, given anyone any hope that that might be reduced? Um, I'm not sure yet. Slightly, slightly in the sense that I think maybe if we play with a back four on a consistent basis and if we can find a midfield three and a midfield two that um, can offer a bit more protection... Uh, which means maybe not playing a player who uh, commits a lot of midfield mistakes, not mentioning any names or anything. <laughs> um, you know, maybe there is, and maybe when you get Hector Bellerin back, and maybe when you get Tierney back, and maybe when you've got Aubameyang and Lacazette and Pepe tearing it up up the other end of the pitch, there is that possibility. But, you know, I, th I think you're right as well that when you step back from the comedy of it, Probably the biggest issue for this club to solve was defensive, and it's come to the final day of the season, final day, final day of the transfer window, rather. And um, we're sitting here, and we still haven't, uh, we still haven't announced it. Um, but it looks like it's going to happen, and and you wonder maybe is there, you know, have they, Andrew? Do you think looked around at the market and said, right, well, 
what we can afford this summer or what we'd have to spend this summer to get a player who we're not necessarily sure is going to be that guy who's going to be the Van Dyke or whatever it might be, you know, we can't really afford to to throw that money on the off chance that this guy is is that player. Whereas maybe if we have Rob Holding, they've they brought in Saliba, for example, mm-hmm. who they've identified as a young player who can potentially be uh, that guy. You know, do you think they've made a conscious decision? I mean, it can't be a case that they've just gone through the summer going, la, 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 let's see what happens with the defense. I, you know, it, they, they have to have taken it seriously. That's what I mean. Yeah, and I think I think this Saliba signing basically is them planning for the future, right? It's, it's this this along with Bellerin and Tierney is and and potentially holding. There's there's four good players there who you can genuinely look at and go, okay, that's the basis of a very good defense potentially in the future. This very much spoke to me like it was some kind of stopgap um, signing. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, Sabios was a little bit like that as well. I mean, we didn't go all in on buying a kind of replacement for Aaron Ramsey. We decided that we'd you know try and outsmart the market as it were and find a decent player who could potentially fill in a midfield position for a year while we we bide our time and figure out what exactly we're going to do um yeah i mean i what i think what i think's really what's interesting is that there are very much two defenses at arsenal at the moment the one that we're going to start the season with and the one that we could potentially end with i mean you look at what we've got which is potentially what maitland niles chambers socrates and monreal starting on saturday or sunday at newcastle mm. And when you sort of strip it back and go, okay, well, when the players who are injured come back, Bellerin and Holding, and then Tierney, suddenly you're down to like, well, you've got Socrates, Mustafi, Chambers, all battling for one place, Louise battling for that one place. And it looks like a potentially much more solid outfit. Um, But it still makes me nervous because we have big games before these players are going to come back and you can potentially lose a lot of ground and, you know, mixing and matching your defence is never good. You know, the best the best thing that Liverpool had last season was a really solid, stable defence. And it makes such a big difference if everybody knows what they're doing, especially if you're trying to play out from the back. Um, So I'm nervous. I think it's a real risk, but it is what it is. And. I think we just need to try and outscore teams this year again. And all we've got to really do is get into the top four, right? We're not trying to win the league because we know we're not going to win the league. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to go one point better than last season, basically. Um, I mean, how are you, how are you viewing that side of things, Tayo, the, the defense? Because when I look at our attacking options, I feel very happy. Tumescent you might say. Um, <laughs> midfield, I think, you know, with Torreira in his second season, we've got uh, Genduzi in his second season. We brought in Ceballos, who looks a good player. Joe Willock is tearing it up in preseason, and he's absolutely hammering on the manager's door to get first-team minutes. You know, there's, there's options in there. Of course, we've got Xhaka, we've got El Elneny. I think El Elneny might move before the end of the season. You know, there's all of that consistency of selection at the back was not something that Emery had last season you know he wasn't able to feel the same back four or even the same back five a lot of the time so it is going to be about finding something that works particularly as preseason looks like he is going to play with a back four more often than not yeah I mean I'm just going to echo um Andrew Allen's um n- nerves with it really like you said we've got you know there's 
that there's a fairly big game beginning of September and we're not going to have our two first choice fullbacks. Even when we do have our first choice fullbacks, it is very, very attacking. So therefore the onus is on, you know, um, I mean, Shaka, um, to, you need some more help from midfield this season. And if it is a back four, then you're asking, you know, our new centre-half to, to, to play in a back four, which also makes me quite nervous as well. So I don't really feel like, I don't feel any more confident um, in, in our back four, in, in our defence, apart from the fact that it can't be that bad again. And I think there was a real kind of debilitating, um, uh, as the season wore on, as we got to the kind of dregs of it and we played like the dregs of it, um, you could watch the confidence drain out of the, well, the entire team, apart from, you know, the kind of, apart from the front two. So that has to change. You know, uh, the manager's got a... The manager's got a had a full preseason. It's his it's his team, and I'm hoping that the defensive because um, this isn't championship manager. You know, I'm hoping the defensive um, improvement comes from him having a better control over the club that he's at. If that makes sense, yeah. Starting, you know, so and that's what I've, and that's what I've got to cling to really because from a personnel you know side of things it doesn't feel so different um going into newcastle away next week it doesn't feel different enough to me so that's where the problem is going to be but we should have more of the ball but we should also control if we've got the ball then you know then they haven't in, in obvious terms which you learned a lot under arsene so you know if we've got if we've got better control of the game higher up the pitch then maybe um it won't just be you know the lmo to a very kind of creaky back four. Sure, just sticking with you I mean the other the other thing to point out is, and I know it's a cliche, but you know, defending is not the sole preserve of the defenders there right. are things that you can do as a football team to ease the burden on your defence and that is to have a midfield that's organised you, you've got players who can win the ball, who can press, who can tackle who don't make mistakes um, in key areas of the pitch you know those things. So, so about Shaka then. <laughs> so, I mean, Captain <laughs> Captain Shaka. Just come out with it, Andrew. That's exactly Captain what you Sh- to say. I'm just I'm just saying that there are ways that we can improve our defence, which don't necessarily have to do with the personnel that we have in the back four. Agreed, agreed, and I guess that's why I mean when I was mentioning uh, some of those midfielders and maybe the system changing. If because it shouldn't be on just those four players. It should be on, well, it should be on all 10, obviously, outfield players, but specifically that kind of back seven, eight, you know. And if we can, um, if we can exert better control with the ball, uh, I guess, and, and that comes down to having better outlets, better players further up the pitch who are going to keep the ball, you know, um, the midfield is going to be hugely, hugely important. That area is exciting. I'm really excited to see our not Ramsey, you know, our not Ramsey replacement. Um, <laughs> but I'm really excited to see how we how we play going forward because you always felt so vulnerable because we didn't have so many options, um, attacking options last year. It felt inevitable that it was going to be ter- that it's going to be turned on us and 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 people were going to be tested in a way which they showed time and again that they couldn't handle. So. Look, the the offensive side of it um, is exciting. And look, like I've said before as well, the fact that transfer deadline day actually applies to us 
for a change is something that I haven't stopped celebrating yet. You know, it, it, it's it, this is normally someone else's fun. So the fact that we've even got something to talk about and haven't had to look for the tumbleweed um, effect is a is, is is a blessing. Right, Andrew Midfield. Let's talk about that for a sec because it does look as if Granishaka is oh. going to be made the captain. club captain. Yeah. So, on the one hand, you would say, okay, if a guy's being made captain, you're sort of wedded to him in a way that you're not to other players. That he, if he's fit, should be starting simply by virtue of the fact that he's the captain, because normally your captain is one of your best players. He's somebody who you can count on week in, week out, etc., etc. Um, mm. On the other hand... Emery had captains last year that he was quite happy to leave by the wayside and not play. Aaron Ramsey was one of them. Mesut Ozil was another. Petr Cech was one of his captains, and he lost his place in September or October and, and didn't get back into the Premier League team for the rest of the season. So, you know, it's it's not a case necessarily that captaincy gives you an automatic pick. But just in these particular set of circumstances with Koscielny gone, do you think or worry or have concerns that giving Shaka the captaincy makes him a little less expendable than perhaps some of us might like? I mean, I, I don't think giving him the armband is going to make him untouchable, but I do think that giving him the armband means he'll be starting the season at the team sheet, which naturally for a lot of Arsenal fans, um, given his proclivity for making bad mistakes, is, you know, not ideal. What they seem to love about Acker is, is, you know, there seems to be something behind the scenes that I think we're not seeing. He seems to be quite a serious guy, but someone who also fronts up about, you know, on behalf of the collective. I don't think he's kind of one to get dragged into the kind of the high life and the individual stuff and all the rest of it. He, he's very much a team player. Mm. And, you know, last year when Tim Stillman and I went on that pre-season tour of the training ground, they were raving about him. And, you know, um, Darren Burgess, who I think, I'm not sure if he's left the club or not. He is. Um, yeah, yeah, he's gone. He um, he was very much like him and Torreira are the best trainers. Um, you know, everybody seems to respect that. Um, as for what it does for the midfield, I mean, it basically leaves, I guess, Joe Willock, uh, Guendouzi, Torreira and Ceballos competing, at least initially, for that other spot in the anchor role. Um and then I, I'm guessing it's going to be kind of eventually Pepe out on the on the right with um, uh, well, it's, it's tough to say actually. I think I guess I, I guess Urza will probably take a, a, a role, and I think off the back of Iwobi leaving because Iwobi played like 50 games last season. Yeah. Uh, he played more games than the most in the squad. It puts a new emphasis on Mesut Urza to start playing properly. Um, and then there's always Mkhitaryan who, you know, you never really know what you're going to get with him, but he's an option. Um, I, I, I don't know about our midfield. I find it really difficult to figure out whether we're stronger or weaker than we were this time last year. I mean, I think we're really going to miss Aaron Ramsey, even though he had his injury problems. Um, I know that we all have, that all the players have an extra year's experience, particularly, you know, Guendouzi and Torreira. And obviously we were playing a new type of football last year, playing out from the back and they're all a bit more attuned to that now. But I still find it quite, until until things kick off, I think it's going to be difficult to figure out whether this Arsenal team is as soft as it has been in the last few years down the middle. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I just, it strikes me that there are, there are more options for key positions. Um, 
in the front three. You know, I, I look at I look at Saka, for example, and I watched him on the preseason tour, and maybe he's not quite ready to play. Um, 20, 30 games for the first team, but he's ready for some first-team football. Yeah. Um, Lacazette and Aubameyang, uh, from what we hear, might be extending their contracts, so that's a good thing. Pepe really is going to add something to our attack, which is amazing. Uh, we, we might not see him for a couple of weeks um, because he's only just back from his holidays and, and everything else, so it might take a couple of weeks for him to get back into the team. You know, that there are loads and loads of options for the attacking part Mm. of our team it's how we anchor that midfield and it's how we choose to play through that part of midfield which i think is going to be really interesting because you have with Torreira, for example a player who will win the ball for you he can use the ball very well we can see with joe willock he's a player who can who can play from deep he can play higher up the pitch but you look at the way he played against barcelona sometimes deep in our midfield with his back uh, to the opposition, he can turn and he can play passes. Genduzzi, someone who wants the ball, who moves the ball really quickly. And I think when the emphasis of your attack is on really quick players like Aubameyang and Pepe, you need to be able to move the ball quickly when you're transitioning from either winning the ball back or whatever. And as good as Xhaka is as a passer, it takes him a bit longer than it should to get the ball out from under his feet and to make that pass at times. Yeah, he's certainly not someone that you see collect the ball and then when he's closed under pressure, you don't see him sort of skipping out of the player like Cazorla did or the way that Ceballos has shown in, in preseason. You know, he's not someone who squeezes himself out of tight spaces with really quick feet. Um, I definitely think Ceballos does. It looks as though Joe Willock has got that in his locker as well, which mm. is fantastic because to be honest, I think, I'm not sure what you thought, but... You know, watching Joe Willock when he first came into the team a couple of years ago, I looked at him, I thought, oh, you know, he could be all right, but I don't expect him to be an Arsenal player. In a, a bit in the same way as it, maybe Iwobi came through. Like, it was always the one, it's been the one that I didn't actually think would make it. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. There are more options there. I think I kind of see Torreira and Ceballos competing together and, and Willock and Guendouzi competing together. And I think obviously across four competitions over the course of a season there'll be plenty of opportunities for all of them to play I still see Xhaka being the one who's the mainstay though mm. Mm. Tayo tell me um, what you're thinking about Nicola Pepe because that really is the kind of signing that excites people it enthuses people it it gets you up for a new season we can sit here and we can laugh and joke about the comedy of our back four because we've done this other thing which is uh, feels really really promising and and looks like it's going to bring things to our team that we've that we've missed you know and Aubameyang in preseason is absolutely on it he's flying Lacazette uh, maybe a bit slower, but we know what he can do when he gets he gets up to speed. If you can get Mesut Ozil, you know, feeling up for it again, um, you know, you've got some real attacking potential there. But but talk to me about Pepe and what you're thinking about him and 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 how that all went down. Just re- just really exciting and really um, just when you thought Arsenal were out, you know, um, they we can pulled come, you back come. in. Yeah, exactly. You go and pull something off like that. An exciting, an exciting player, which more than one club was after, which is always quite nice. And we've got a, like you say, we've got a 
we've got a fast winger who scores goals. You know, a, a younger, he's younger than um, Zaha. Uh, Zaha, I kind of would have enjoyed for um, just because of the recognition of him. You know, I mean, a recognition of him because you've seen, I've seen quite a lot of him, so you know what to be really excited about. So that type of player was one that I was, really, I'd always be excited to see at Arsenal to then go and get. Um, a what may very well be an upgrade, uh, certainly a younger version of, and who's been tearing it up in 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 the French league. It's just really exciting to have a front three to to get excited about. And just listening to what um, Andrew was saying before, the other reason why it's really exciting from um, from an individual level, to I I can't I don't really know how Unai Emery plays. Right. So yeah. when we used to assign people um, under Arsene Wenger, you had an idea of how they were going to to be used. So therefore, because I can't, you know, there are there are there are better people than me to talk about um, systems and the detail and such. So to get excited about someone on a who's got the individual skills that are going to light up the stadium is really exciting, and that makes me want to get down. That that makes me want to get down there. You know, we haven't. He's fast. He controls the ball well on the on the run. He scores goals. So let's have some of that. You know, he's different from um, our other front two. You know, he's different from Lacazette. He's different from Aubameyang. Aubameyang, you know, stands um, is just lethal. Um, Lacazette showed more to his game than I thought, um, and has settled in and become a, such a massive part of the club. And now we've got hopefully a live wire who's going to take people on because. I can't think of the last time uh, in recent history that we've been really excited when someone's had the ball at their feet, right? I mean, Mesut Ozil's a magician um, when he wants to be, but he's not going to zoom past somebody at um, at sprinter pace, you know? Yeah. So to have someone who seems to be able to do that um, and will stretch other teams and make us look the other way, do the old dead cat, have us looking the other way about what's going on at the back is really exciting. Yeah, the idea that we might be able to counter-attack effectively if we can move right. the ball quickly enough is really, really exciting. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had... To, to play the game at pace, there was times last season where it was just so stayed, right? And you're watching teams get set. Um, and we also didn't have the people to... Uh, going back again to what Andrew was saying before, we didn't have the people to carry the ball. We didn't have the people who you had confidence we weren't going to lose it i've just mentioned we were talking about it won't be to start with um we hopefully got another person to help us make the right decision in the final third because we've had we used to have in the good old days sob sob we used to have players you knew were going to make the right decision once they got over the halfway line yeah um and that hasn't been the case for a while and to have an electric runner who's going to give um, an easy out ball and, and then hopefully do something with it if his form up till now has got anything to do with it is super exciting for this club again. Andrew, I mean, is that the thing that's excited you most about this transfer window is the arrival of Pepe? You know, maybe an emphasis on an attacking element to our game and our squad where you've got a midfielder in Ceballos, for example, who... who will move the ball quickly, who's a bit press resistant, who can who can shift it, who can bring others into play more quickly. This idea that we might um, 
like with all due respect to to Mesut Ozil, for example, he's also somebody who likes to put his foot on the ball at times and and can go backwards, and then teams can can sort of get back into position. It it can be harder mm. to to break them down. But you know, you bring in a young Brazilian forward like Martinelli, you bring in Ceballos, you bring in Nicola Pepe, you've got Aubameyang, you've got Lacazette, you've blooded Saka, you've got Reese Nelson back guys who are going to do things with the ball, who aren't afraid to do things with the ball, they're not all going to do the right thing all the time. You know, so with Nelson, for for example, I think there are there are some issues about his decision making, but, you know, he's brave enough to, to, to try things and take things on. So, I mean, do you feel like this is going to have an impact on the way that Unai Emery is going to approach football matches next season? I, I think it will. I think it will affect the opposition first and foremost because I think they're going to look at us in a slightly different way. I think they always knew that they, you know, they they had to contend with Lacazette and and Aubameyang. Um, I think Pepe brings just a completely new dimension. His pace, his directness. Um, I just feel like there's something almost Mark Overmars esque about what he's going to bring to the team, and you know that having three players in the team who can all charge at pace, three players who are likely to make the right decision, as Tyre was saying, um, that, that makes such a huge difference. I mean, all the best teams have three players up front who are, who are capable of, of winning games for them, in, you know, individually, let alone collectively. Um, so I feel like we've got that now. I feel like behind them, the kind of street footballer-esque qualities of, of Nelson, you know, these guys who are just technically brilliant you know able of able to kind of take on players that really excites me as well I really want to see that I just really hope that they get one the chances and two that they maintain the confidence to be those players because it's a, such a big step up to do it in the Premier League yeah um you know the other thing I'm hoping really is that is that someone like Pepe brings the best out of people like Mesut Ozil and Henrik Mkhitaryan like I feel like Last year they kind of got in the team anyway, and this year I feel like I really, I really want them to look around and be inspired and think these are players I want to play with. You know, I want to take my game up to the next level. I feel like they've been coasting a little bit, and I, I just, I'm desperate for them to kind of look at this team and go, okay, maybe we can fucking achieve something together here. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's several reasons there for for optimism. Uh, I. Uh, I think the most exciting thing for me out of, the, out of the whole window is the fact that none of this was really expected. I was genuinely quite down, and I think you were as well, off yeah. the back of the Europa League. I mean, it really felt like there was a potential for that defeat and the f- fact that we didn't qualify for the Champions League to be a massive turning point and for us to basically sit around sulking about it, play the kids, and potentially the gap to get even bigger. I feel like, and I have to kind of credit the you know the ownership here and Raul and Vinny and all the rest of it, they have kind of noticed that situation and gone we can't let this happen so let's let's really put our you know let's put our heads together and try and solve it and yeah. they, they've they've done things you know more than anything they've injected good morale into the into the supporter base and and come the first game of the season the home game of the season against um burnley, it, Bur- burnley in a couple of weeks time i really feel like there'll be a good atmosphere yeah i um, think that's i think that's a really good point because it felt kind of like we were at a crossroads where hmm. we either addressed the the trajectory that we were on or we were we were just going to continue along that trajectory and it looked for quite a while this summer like we were just going to do that because you know not much had happened and not much happened really until the last few weeks um Mm -hmm. so you know i'll absolutely doff my cap to raul he 
he took responsibility for this summer. Even when Edu came, he said this is going to be uh, a summer in which he is not responsible for what happens, which is basically taking it on his own shoulders. And Tayo, I'm I'm pretty much thinking I'm going to get a Raul tattoo now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he, he's done bits and he's done them in stark comparison to and you know, stark comparison to. Uh, you know the the previous regime. I think the unsexy things that they've done, which is address, which it won't be as part of, which is address the moving on of players, which we you know that we've accumulated so much dross. Um, and I think that side of things is going to take. Uh, you know, um, they'll do some of it now, and they'll do a bit, and it will take a bit of time. That's 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 the impressive stuff. But from the sexy point of view, and the you know the fact that Raul Sanelli can have is that how you say it? Sanelli, um, yeah. Sanelli, the fact that he, you know, photos of him wandering around looking like a sort of, you know, a dishevelled kind of vineyard boss with <laughs> <laughs> with a phone with a phone to his ear. You know, I love that. Just. He's getting it done. And also, because he's not, I think uh, maybe Tim Stillman's written about this um, on your on your site, I think, the, the fact that you've got to go and do these, do that, do the dirty business with with the agents, right? Which the other regime, by all accounts, seemed to not think what we thought was beneath them. So for that reason, it, there just seems to be like a bit of a, there's a modern feel about, about the club this summer with its dealings with the people around um, rather than a sort of, you know, a perfumed kind of handkerchief saying that this was beneath, beneath them. And for that, it seems to be Raul and Vinny who, um, who, who get the credit for that. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it feels, it feels alive. Like, like Andrew said, it feels alive for the weekend to get excited about rather than just rolling into the season going, all right, here we go. Yeah. Which is what it's felt like for the last few years. So, um, Let's give it January before we start uh, canonizing them. Um, but then I'm all for the statue by this time next August. Yeah. Did you see the picture of um, uh, who signed the contract in midweek? Tyrese John Jules. Did you see the picture of Tyrese John Jules signing his new contract? He's sitting there with the pen and Raul is standing there with his arm across his shoulder. And he's, he's just fucking loving it. He's having a great time. <laughs> he really is. He's having yeah, the best time. He, he looks like everybody's proud dad. I mean, he's just beaming with smiles every every time you see him. Yeah, but it just goes to show what you know. We needed. To, we've been we've been starved of anything. So man signs, you know, man signs player, and I'm already you know thinking of like getting a mug with his face on it. You know what I mean? So it's um, <laughs> um, we've had a we've had a tricky time. We've had a hell of a tricky time of it. I know it's world's smallest violin for anyone who's who doesn't support Arsenal. But it's been a tricky time. We've accumulated a lot of dross, and they must have come in. It's, you know, it's like um. You know, coming into your room on a, on when you've been out on a bender all night, and you're just thinking, "Oh, crap, I can't even see the bed. Where do I start?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And they've they've tidied up. They're, they're beginning to tidy up the club, but they're putting up a few nice paintings and stuff. And um, and we got something to to look forward to when we you know go home in a couple of weeks for the, for the first time game. Yeah, I mean that's it, Andrew, isn't it? It feels like um, 
it feels like issues that we've all wanted to see addressed have been addressed. Maybe some of them not quite as well as we would like. You know, Louise is not anybody's first choice to come in at central defense, you know, but Mm. we've got the winger, we've got a midfielder in, we've got some young talent coming through. We've managed to sell players this summer for reasonable amounts of money. You know, Bielik uh, for £10 million, Dominic Thompson, a left back that hasn't played for the first team, has gone for, for £3 million. Alex Iwobi for £40 million. You know, we're beginning to do what a well-run club should do, and people are on board with it, and they're feeling more enthused, and they're feeling they're feeling like, okay, we've, we've now halted that trajectory, and maybe... We'll stand still a little bit, but we, we're putting ourselves in a place where we could go in the right direction again. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think there were, there were players in that squad who had been around for a long time. And I know that we haven't got rid of everyone that we might have wanted to. But, you know, getting rid of people like Ospina, you know, Asano, uh, Jenkinson, I guess, even though I, I think every fan will be slightly sad to see him go. I mean, just, just making room for the next generation um, it was a very decisive thing that we've done, and I'm really pleased about that. Mm. Um, actually, when you add up all of the cash that potentially comes in, and then you look at the the sell-on clause that we had with Ismail Benassa, who's moved from uh, Empoli to AC Milan, you know, there's a really big chunk of cash there. Um, and I actually think it might even set us up for potentially doing business in January if we need to. Um, which, you know, given that we started this summer with a small budget, didn't look like being something we'd be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But all all in all, I mean, given the Koscielny situation was was forced on them, um, and I don't really know what happened. I don't think any of us really know what happened behind the scenes there. But it was very obvious from the outset that Koscielny wasn't going to back down from that. Given that situation, which I think was something of a spanner in the works, because by and large, they probably wouldn't have gone. I don't think they'd have gone for a centre-back at all unless they could have got rid of Shelney and, and TikTok. Um, given the situation, bringing in Louise potentially, I mean, we've only got 24 minutes, don't we, now until that's mm. supposed to be announced. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I feel like they've done a, a pretty a pretty good job and they've done it very quickly. Yeah. And, and, and now... The, the keys are kind of handed to Edu and he's got to drive the car. Um, and I'm really curious to see what he does because Raul really went out of his way to say, none of this is his responsibility this summer. It's all on me. Mm. Um, and everything I've heard and read about Edu in the last few weeks has been very positive. Um, uh, so, you know, and at the start of a new era. There's a good piece in The Athletic, actually, about Edu mm. and and uh, and how well he's done. And uh, I was just looking at the spreadsheet that you've put together there um, for our Ars blog news um, use. But basically, it's around £70 million pounds mm. that we've brought in, which is a, a significant chunk of money and which might well allow us to do some business in January if we need to do... If we need to do business in January. Now, I'm aware both you guys have got to um, shoot off very quickly. So final question, I'll give it to you, Tayo, first. I just very simply want you to rate this transfer window out of 10 and your enthusiasm for the new season out of 10. Where are you? I mean, I'm a, I'm a solid seven, maybe an eight, because having ended the season as flatly as I did, the fact that we've got some attacking options um and the fact that new players are coming into the club is just quite it's, it's taken it from yeah it's taken me from naught to seven basically so um 
I feel like we are going. I feel like we've improved this season. Yeah. Um, and I haven't, and I didn't feel that last season, for example. You know, I didn't feel, I didn't think I would feel like that coming into August. Right. Andrew, tell me. Uh, I reckon eight and a half. And I give them an extra half because of the Adidas kit deal and the fact that we've got new beer in the stadium. Okay. Do you so want all re- that makes me excited to be going <laughs> to the first game of the season. It's, want- all, you know, it's all part of a big package, you see. Sure. Do you want to reassess based on the fact that there's new beer and new kits, Tayo? I'm going to move it up to seven and a half. All right. I've got the away shirt yeah, for that reason. I've got the away shirt, and um, we you might actually meet someone for for a drink before the game now, knowing that you don't have to hold down fizzy piss. So, um, so yeah, that definitely deserves a half point, seven and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of around an eight now, definitely an eight. And the summer reinvigorated me a little bit as well, meeting everybody over in the states who were just so excited for everything so between kit deals between transfer business between uh uh just the fact that football is going to be back and i've missed proper football i'm well well up as uh, at an eight eight and a half i reserve every right to reassess that and uh <laughs> and deny myself in a few months time if that's the case but uh, there you go probably just we... after andy carroll scores the winner of the weekend oh jesus oh. christ i saw that today and it was the basically the first thing i thought of yeah. you know the fatalistic um part of every arsenal fan i think looked at the fact that andy carroll's gone to newcastle and we all went oh fuck we all well, that first good. squad, that first team sheet will be a big old marker, you know, and, and seeing how the enthusiasm holds. And if, um, well, if it says Carol on one side and Mustafi on another, then um, I'll see you guys next week and we can reassess. <laughs> we all go drink some fizzy piss together and hope it might it <laughs> make things better. All right, gents, as ever, thank you very much indeed for your time, Tayo. Uh, great to talk to you. We'll catch you during the season. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew Allen, thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter at A. Allen Sport, at A. Allen Sport. You can read him, of course, doing stuff on Ars Blog News. And Andrew is also the co-host of a podcast called Left Field Podcast, talking about football, talking about sport. And there's something weirdly ironic about the fact that his co-host is called Wogan. You can check that out. It's leftfieldpodcast.com or also wherever you get podcasts, just search for Left Field Podcast. Tayo is on Twitter. Tayo. Uh, sorry about that. My voice is going. He's on Twitter at DJ Tayo, at DJ Tayo. And if you haven't already checked out the podcast series that he produced for Spotify, uh, in association with Monday Owl magazine. They're brilliant stories, brilliant football stories. It's called Giant. And I think episode five in particular is one which will resonate with Arsenal fans. It's called English Football's Last Great Rivalry. And it's about the intensity of us versus Manchester United when it was on. You remember when it was on? And when it was on, it was fucking on. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Man, that was so good. And uh, there's a there's an episode dedicated to that. The podcast is called Giant. You can get it on Spotify. So if you're looking for more quality listening this weekend, aside from the Arsecast, of course, I highly recommend it. Do check it out. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today, Arsenal signed Kieran Tierney, Celtic's left-back, for a uh, fee of £25 million, making him the most expensive Scottish player of all time. So to get a bit of info on Kieran Tierney, what kind of a player he is, what, what he can bring to Arsenal, who better to talk to than somebody who some of you might remember from the old Ole Ole days. He's the host of a podcast called uh, Celtic State of Mind. It's Kevin Graham. Hi, Kevin. Hi there, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. My That's a bit of a blast from the past. Ole, ole, eh? It's a blast from the past. Not one I care to remember that often, I have to say. But uh, here we are. We're both still chugging along. So, so look, Definitely. How are you feeling about Kieran Tierney leaving Celtic? He's obviously uh, somebody who's been there for many years, come up through the system, a uh, very popular player, obviously a very good player as well. Just your thoughts um, from your Celtic perspective on his departure? I'm conflicted in truth. Um, I'm really disappointed that he's gone. Obviously, he's a phenomenal player, but the move was kind of expected. Um, it's a sore one because of what he represents to us. Eh? He's, he's, been a, he's a fan of the club. He's Celtic through and through. He's been at the club since he was seven. Uh, he's been our best youth product since Paul McStay. But we just couldn't stand in his way any longer, eh? Yeah. And we wish, we, we, wish him, we, we wish him good luck. It's football economics, ain't it? It's simple football economics, and he has outgrown us eh, the same as other players have outgrown the Scottish League. More like recently, like Van Dyke outgrew, outgrew the Scottish League. Yeah. Eh, Van Yama outgrew the Scottish League. I mean, we, we look at look at Cairn. He's only twenty two. He's won everything in Scotland. He's won the the last nine trophies on offer in Scotland. We're not going to improve in Europe. He maybe has a look at Andy Robertson because he is as good as Andy Robertson, and he maybe he, he has a look and he has to go and test himself in a in a bigger league. I wish him well. Eh? I mean, on days like these. It stinks. We're a development club for big for bigger leagues now, eh? Yeah. So, and there's plenty of there's plenty of people to blame for that. There's TV money, UEFA, oil gaps, sovereign wealth funds, and it's just the reality of it, eh? So he's are getting a bargain. They really are getting a bargain, okay. and I'll be and I'll be watching them extremely closely. Yeah. So look, tell me uh, a little bit about what kind of a player. 
He is obviously he's a left back, but he has played uh, as a wing back at times. What are the key strengths to his game? Uh, we've all watched video clips of him bombing down the left hand side, and he, he looks tricky in the final third. But Arsenal also uh, need a defender. So first and foremost, what kind of a defender is he? He's he's very deceptive. He's very good in the air for his size and he's got that old-fashioned Scottishness about him. He likes a decent tackle and he's good in the tackle. Um, he was targeted quite a few times in Europe and also in Scotland uh, with teams putting long balls into his area. Uh, but he stood up. He's got a great physicality about him for a small man. Um, he built up quite a bit over the last couple of seasons I wouldn't have any worries about him defending whatsoever. He's a modern fullback um, who will, will thrive in a more competitive environment for him. He, he plays with a sort of enthusiasm. A kid still playing in the playground. Right. He'll, he'll bomb up and down that wing all day. He'll put in challenges. He's a love him. He's will absolutely love him. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Um, one of the things that has concerned people a little bit over the course of the summer is, well, one was the length of time it, it took for the deal to get done, but that, I think, was was just the two clubs playing. It was always going to happen. But the the stories of, of injury and the problems that he's had with injury in the last little while, I know we spoke over email a few, few weeks back when this was first emerging and you were saying, no, there's not much to really worry about. He has had this, this problem. There were, were reports that he might face eight weeks out Neil Lennon has said this week that, that that that's not true in general how has his injury record been and what is the problem that he's carrying at the moment he has had a couple of long term injuries um, the first couple were, were impact injuries which were fractures and over the last maybe 18 months maybe the last year to tell you the truth he's had a couple of wear and tear injuries there was a stat at this point last year that he had played more minutes of football than anybody else in the world in that 12-month period. Wow. And and I think we, Celtic and the player himself, didn't manage his injuries well. We maybe rushed him back a couple of times. But he's that type of lad, eh? He always wants to get on the pitch. If um, managers ask him and he fit, he'll say aye and he will go on the pitch. Um I think going to Arsenal might be good for him because you're talking about if you play for Celtic, the amount of European qualifiers we play, you're talking about 60 games a season, maybe over 60 games a season yeah. when you when you factor in internationals. With Arsenal, if he's, if he's going to Arsenal, it'd be a first choice left back, um, which he will be, I take it. Yep. Um, I can't see him playing in the Carlin Cup or whatever it's called now, the Caribou Cup or whatever it's called now. Yeah. Um I can't see him I can't see him playing in the Europa League. So I can see him the re- the recovery time being far more between games and what he gets up here. And also as well, when our season ends and Celtic and Celtic season starts, the players are only getting a three week break and Obviously, the close season in Arsenal is far longer than three three weeks. So there's a lot of... I wouldn't be worried at all about his injuries because it, from an outsider looking in, he's going to have more recovery time between games and he is going to play less games. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly he's not going to play. Well, he might. They might play him a little bit in the in the Europa League group stages if there's a, a need to get him fit for the Premier League. Um, having been out and 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 having to catch up in terms of fitness because of his preseason and what have you, but in general, I don't think he's going to play in the group stages. Uh, and when, if and when Arsenal get to the latter stages of the Europa League, there's a there's a different argument to be made there. Um, in terms of his potential and his talent and what he can become as a player, um, you know, he's he's obviously done it week in week out for Celtic. Um, it would be fair to say, I think, that in the Premier League, the quality of the opposition that you face uh, on a weekly basis is is going to be slightly stronger than it is in Scotland. So would you have any worries about his ability to step up and, and rise to that challenge? There's obviously going to be a bed and in period for him. Uh, but uh, for me, once he gets up to speed, I think he'll be comfortable at the, in, in the English Premier League um, obviously the, the speed the athleticism and the the technical ability of the English League is far better than the Scottish Premier League but again that's that'll be on getting up to getting up to speeds getting up to match fitness and I've, I've got no worries whatsoever of him becoming an Arsenal mainstay and mean that his world is the world. The world is his oyster at the moment. If you look at Andy Robertson, who, who he will be looking at as well, it's highly unusual for Scotland to have produced two players who can actually attain world class level. And I really believe Kieran Tierney can. And I think Arsenal seems a good place for him to go now. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said that six weeks ago. <laughs> when, when there was a bit of upheaval and you, you seem to be in a bit of turmoil behind the scenes but it seems like you've got a decent project now a lot of good young players coming in and I think Tierney fits your profile of what you're trying to do yeah. and I don't know I don't know if you're maybe building a team for next for next season or in two years' time or three years' time but I think if it's for a couple of seasons' time Tierney could be peaking at that point, he was going to be 24, 25, midway through through his contract. So I think that's where Arsenal are looking to maybe make a pushback for winning, winning the English Premier League and maybe making a dent in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen, certainly not going to happen this season. But yeah, there is, there is a, re, uh, a renewal of the team going on and a bit of a focus on some younger players coming through um, and... and balancing out some of the older players um, as well. That's definitely part of it. Uh, do you um, think that the the competition for a place in the Scottish national side with Robertson is is a factor for Kieran Tierney? Is that something that will, will drive him? Because Robertson obviously is uh, having a brilliant time at Liverpool. Um, is, is this going to be part of his motivation as well? Obviously making it in England and, and showing he can do it in the Premier League every week is is motivation enough, but the international factor has to play a part too, no? Definitely, because it's quite easy for the Scottish national manager or the Scottish press at the moment to say that um, to say that Andy Robertson should be playing, eh? mm. uh, because... He is playing in the English Premier League. He is playing at a higher level than than, than Kieran Tierney. So if, if Kieran goes down there and does well, then it gives Steve Clark a, a massive problem and a good headache to have. Um, 
Robertson and Tierney can both play sort of more advanced. Uh, Tierney's also played on the left-hand side of a back three quite a few times as well. Um, so there is options there. And again, he's probably, as I mentioned before, he's probably outgrown Scottish football and he needs to go to a, a top league to progress, to become the player that we all believe that he can be. Well, look, um, commiserations on your loss, Kevin. Um, Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a happier day for us than it is for you, but obviously you'll be watching on uh, with interest from up there. And uh, the, the podcast is called A Celtic State of Mind. So if you're uh, interested in a Celtic podcast, that's where to go. Kevin, thank you, as always, for your time. Thanks very much, Andrew, and good luck for the season. Kevin's podcast is called A Celtic State of Mind, so do check that out, or if you've got any Celtic mates who are looking for something good to listen to, tell them to uh, to go check that out. I'm going to talk to James now in a minute, but first, here's David Ornstein on the BBC talking about Arsenal's transfer window. Yeah, they wanted, for a long time, a winger, a box-to-box midfielder, a centre-back, and a left-back, and they've got all of them in this window alone. OK, Ceballos is only alone. Pepe satisfies the winger. Uh, Tierney and and Saliba to come in, and then Luis for now. So perhaps they've actually got more than they wanted to. There's a, a real sense of satisfaction internally that they've got things done so efficiently. Oh, OK, it came late, but every single window, people are bemoaning what Arsenal should have done and that mm-hmm. they didn't do and this new regime with it was really a two-pronged attack with Raul Sanlehi the deal maker and um, Hasfami the deal broker mm. two people going out and getting it all done when many clubs get too many people involved in these situations hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can get David back onto the Arsecast to talk about what has been uh, a really busy an interesting transfer window from Arsenal in which a lot has happened and a lot of things I think that none of us really expected before before it all went down. So maybe we can get some of the backstory on that with David in a couple of weeks' time. Now, though, it's straight over to Edinburgh to talk to James to see what he thinks about everything that's been going down. James, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm a bit... Uh, blown away by quite how much news there's been today. It's been quite a frantic deadline day. Yeah, it's sort of all happened quite quickly, hasn't it, with the two defenders? Uh, I should point out that it's now nearly 10 to 8, and we still haven't confirmed David Luiz, but according Mm -hmm. to all the people who know David Ornstein, of course, and um, various other sources, it's all done and dusted with David Luiz. They're just waiting for an announcement. So I assume they've got uh, Louise and Matteo Genduzzi dressed in Spider-Man costumes doing that Spider-Man thing where they just point at each other. That's going to be the welcome video, surely? Surely. It'd be very disappointing if not. Uh, I suppose they've got to space out all that all that delicious content that signing yeah. produces. Yeah. Uh, the, the content strategy is king these days. For sure. So look, uh, talk to me about David Louise. What What are you thinking? Well, he was my one-time hair idol, of course. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I, I think only at Arsenal, where we have Skodra Mustafi, does David Luiz feel like the sensible option. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that fair? Well, it I mean, is, you know, because there's a lot of people who are going, yeah, but, you know, I'm not really a big fan of David Luiz. He's a bit of a clown. He's had his moments, but he's not Mustafi. And there's a lot, you know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of that. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a better player than Mustafi. I have to say. I mm. think you know there have been some pretty eye-catching uh, moments and mishaps, and he's got a bit of a bad temper, and he 
I think, you know, was cited as one of the ringleaders in the dismissal of the last two Chelsea managers, you know, people who sort of uh, stood up to the coach or, or went beyond that when, when they felt it was necessary. But he he's a really good footballer. He's a great passer of the ball. He can play in a back four. He can play in a back three. He can play in holding midfield at a push as well. Um, I... I I suppose what I sort of think is kind of what I think about all our signings this summer and what I generally think about Arsenal, which is that I'm not sure necessarily it's the most sensible allocation of resource, but I think it might make us a bit more fun to watch. Okay. So, I mean, you think that about some of the other signings that we've made? Like, do you you feel like maybe we could have spent money differently or spent money better? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, only, only when I look at sort of, you know, the proportion of our spending that was on an attacking player I just think you know when you step back as much as we wanted that player and we sort of need a player of that type when you step back what we spent on the centre half and the centre half we've ended up with I think there's a a slightly troubling disparity there but I am kind of looking forward to seeing this team play you know I I want to see what Pepe brings and to an extent I sort of want to see what Louise brings and I, I do think that we have signed players who've got real technical quality. I mean, in Ceballos and Luis, we've we've bought two very good ball players who will improve our, our passing and the approach play. And actually, like curiously enough, if we become a better possession team, that might in some ways be as good a form of defence as we can muster. Yeah, I just spoke about that a bit earlier in the podcast with uh, Andrew Allen and Tayo, the fact that we might right. be able to control games better, take some of the, the heat off the defence, and if we can, mm. if we can uh, you know, get organised a bit better in midfield and provide them with a bit of a screen and protection, then it, it could well make us better defensively, even if, you know, at this moment in time, we're still going to play or start the season without our first choice fullbacks. The other first choice fullback uh, aside from Hector Bellerin of course is is Kieran Tierney who signed today it was all done there was a, a thing I noticed he said he was in the park last night at seven o'clock and he was told you've got an hour to get to the airport um which I thought is is just it's funny isn't it because Kieran Tierney's links with Arsenal have been going on all summer like the mm. entire summer it doesn't appear... And beyond, years I, ago. Yeah, I mean, we've, yeah, we've been after him for a while, or he's certainly been uh, somebody who's been on our radar, radar for a while. But, uh, you know, I think if you leave it on till deadline day and you do an amazing deal and you get yourself an amazing bargain, you're sort of going, okay, well, that was all worth it. Um, we, we just appear to have given Celtic what they want at the very last minute. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know, maybe it was just a case that because of... Because of his injury, there was no rush or whatever to, to, to make it happen. We didn't need him for preseason or anything like that. But it's, it's quite funny. He's in the park with his mates. Then he gets a phone call. You've got to get to the airport, come down to London and get it all done. It's kind of a dream, isn't it? You know, every time I go to the park now, I'll be waiting for that phone call. I Hello, James. I- we want you to come down. <laughs> Well, when Arsenal knock, it's not just any knock. And when Arsenal ring the phone, it's not just any ring or any voice on the end of it. I am... I, um, I think that maybe, 
maybe the fact that Tierney went through so late has something to do with our pursuit of a centre half. I just wonder if maybe there was an op- uh, if there had been an opportunity to get one of the main centre half targets, they would have cost a lot more money. Whether mm. the the resources might have had to be directed into that, and once they were like, well, actually, we're going to go for Louise. It's going to be a relatively reasonable fee that freed up a bit more cash to actually get the Tierney deal over the line. Um, I mean, I know they were tracking him all summer, but I don't think they anticipated the Koscielny thing being quite as big a deal as it was. Um, so, yeah, mate, I mean, I have to say, though, you know, talking about all these different deals, I, as much as I have a, a little bit of concern about how defensively secure will be, I do think it's been a, a positive window, and I think we've addressed a lot of problems and... I think we've we've done good business. I, I, I sort of have to take my hat off to Raoul. I was quite sceptical going into the summer. Um, but it seems that having kept the powder dry in January, which I still think is a very questionable decision, uh, we have actually had a pretty, pretty strong summer. Yeah, I mean, look, I think everybody had a right to be sceptical because, well, you know, if you're basing it on what we did in January, that was not good. Um, mm. And also there was a lot of talk about what we were going to do. And we've heard a lot of words from Arsenal executives in the past. We've heard them talk about how they're going to do this, that and the other and how they're, you know, whatever. And in fairness, he's fronted up. He's, I guess, put his money where his mouth is. Um, Not his money, but you know, you know what I mean? He has Mm -hmm. done a lot of good business this summer. And people were also concerned a little, weren't they, about the, this sort of approach, um, this, if not necessarily agent-driven, but agent-heavy approach to recruitment, um, as opposed to this sort of more scientific data-led approach, which we would have had under Sven Mislintat. But, you know, it's Raul and it's Husfami who, who've gone and done these deals. Um, the fact that it was agent-heavy has allowed us to get somebody like uh, Nicola Pepe in. And yeah. he truly is the most exciting thing about this transfer window. Definitely. And, and, you know, I, I think that that's, we've benefited from those relationships in a lot of ways. I mean, certainly it will have smoothed over the, the David Luiz negotiations and sorted that out, Edu's links with Kidrabchen. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we know that we involve some pretty big uh, agents in order to get Pepe over the line. And that is the headline transfer of the summer. But I have to say, I think if Tierney can get fit and be fit, I think he could be just as important in some ways. I'm really, really excited to see what he can do in an Arsenal shirt. I just feel like we've been kind of making do and mending at left-back for quite a long time now. But this is someone who's a quite a complete full-back, who can really do both sides of the job, who can defend and who can get forward, and who's young enough that they could still improve and really grow into that role. So we've strengthened both flanks, really. If we assume Pepe's going to play from the right and Tierney as left-back then we, we should look, be stronger on both sides of the pitch. Let me ask you to put your money where your mouth is, because mm-hmm. we have now Kieran Tierney, Nacho Monreal, say Kolasinac. It feels to me like one of those is going to go. Who do you think it's going to be? Do you think one will go between now and August 31st? Yeah, I think so, because you know we can sell abroad until then mm. so I, I it feels like you can't carry three left backs in a squad even if Monreal can play as a center half in a three you know we we appear to have moved away from the three at the back formation so I feel like one of them's going to go and if it, if you were to ask me if it were you know yeah. me to make the guess I would say it's Kalasinac well he's definitely the one with the 
resale value, you mm. know, who could bring a bit of cash in. I mean, obviously, I'm sure we'll get onto this, but we have brought some cash in today. Um, I do wonder if, you know, Monreal, I know they just took up the option to extend his contract, but given his age and given the fact that he's not a long-term option, really, I do wonder if he might be who I would let go and I would kind of keep Kolasinac and Tierney as my two left-backs on that side, Maitland, Niles mm. and Bellerin on the, on the opposite side. I just think, you know, then you give yourself proper rotation options. You've got player, a player who's good in about four and a player who's good in about three, potentially. I just think Monreal, I really like Monreal. I think he's been absolutely terrific for Arsenal for the most part, but if it's towards the end of his career and there's opportunity to make some money back on him, mm. I think that's the option I would probably go for. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's um, what you would do and maybe what the club are going to do might be different things. You know, if they oh, are yeah. going yeah. to bring in, you know, some money, what would you get for Kolasinac? If you're getting whatever for, for Alex Iwobi, who we'll talk about now in a second, you know, you could get, what, 15, 20 million? For- £20 million pounds is a, a figure I've seen touted. I mean, my problem with that is I just worry that if you sell Kolasinac now, come the end of the season, it's the end of Monreal's contract, he goes and you just find yourself in a position where you need a left-back again. Um, and we sold a young left-back, Dominic Thompson, didn't we, to Brentford. Yeah. I'm not sure there's necessarily a guy who's ready to step in. I know they're excited about Joel Lopez, but I think he's still 17. So... I, I think you need two fullbacks, especially if the fullbacks are an important part of your play, and they really are for Emery. Well, I think you need two options, and you need someone who can play those Europa League games. Yeah, well, um, maybe that's what they're thinking with the the young uh, Spanish kid. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. You know, if you if you let Kalasinac go, and then you have a year of Monreal as backup playing Europa League and whatever else then you can bring in a, an 18-year-old as maybe his uh, as mm. understudy to Kieran Tierney next season. So, I, I mean, don't know. I suppose, yeah, the other thing to say is that in an emergency situation, you have also got Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who has played left-back quite competently and probably could, at a push, do it again. Yes, yes. So, the other part of transfer deadline day, which came a little bit out of the blue, even though we heard about Everton's interest in Alex Iwobi, mm. um yesterday Wednesday uh, a bid was rejected but like at the last minute they've come in still hasn't been confirmed it's uh, well after the well after the the time or the seven o'clock deadline by which they said the deal had to be completed so it might well be completed they just haven't announced it yet um what are your thoughts on the departure of of Alex Iwobi uh I think I feel a little bit sad about that and I, I I'll tell you the reason why. I, I do like Iwobi as a player. I, I think I've stood up from him quite a lot when a lot of our fans were quite frustrated with him. I, I like that he's an academy product as well. I like having that within the squad. I think the reason that I feel a little bit saddened by it is because I think he's basically been sold because of our inability to sell certain other players. And mm. I think that had there been a buyer for Henrik Mkhitaryan, and to a certain extent, had there been a buyer for Meza Ozil, I think Alex Iwobi would probably still be at Arsenal. And, you know, I'm not devastated that he's gone and I can see a kind of logic to it. And it's a very good chunk of money. But I do feel that he's been a, a little bit the full guy when, you know, Mkhitaryan, for example, I would far rather have seen him go. Yeah, me too. 
Me too. And I think you're right. I think the inability to move on other players and the need to bring in some money has, has seen this one go through. And like, you know, I I would have been happy enough for Iwobi to stay for another season and see if he mm. could develop and if he could kick on because he's only 23, 22, 23 years of age, you know, at a point where he could actually uh, kick on and is somebody who could be a part of the squad for a number of years, whereas I think the, the time left for Ozil and Mkhitaryan is quite finite, you know? So again, you're looking at having to um, find a replacement within the squad for, for Alex Iwobi. But, you know, we, we, we've we got young players. We've got Saka. We've got Emil Smith-Rowe, who everyone is excited by and wants, you know, to see in the in the team at some point, Reese Nelson, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. it's a, it's. Uh, I think it's a shame for him, obviously, because he's an Arsenal boy, and this is going to be a big wrench for him. You know, he's he's grown up at the club. He loves Arsenal. Uh, he's come through the academy and played 150 games for the club. It's going to be tough for him as well. I think it will. I think it will. You know, I think he really loved playing for Arsenal, and uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's sort of. A- funny one because it's kind of related to the whole Wilfred Zaha situation that we were involved with all summer because Everton of course were trying to to sign him after we pulled out of that one and uh, there were stories yesterday that they were interested in Zaha and Iwobi I I never really found that particularly credible um, because they operate in the same part of the pitch you know left left wing most likely Um, and yeah I I mean it's a decent enough move for him I think he'll Mm. probably do all right there and it it is a big sum of money I mean Look, we talk a lot about how playing academy players is potentially a source of revenue for this club. We have just created a 40 million asset. I mean, that is that is quite impressive. And we've done that by investing playing time and developing a Wobi. And yeah, we've cashed in on it, but for, for a worthwhile sum of money. Yeah. And, you know, it's worth saying that of this crop of youngsters, we're excited about the Willocks, the Smith Rows, the Nelson... The Eddie Nketiah, who I think's got himself a really good yeah, loan move. Yeah, I meant to talk to the other two about that, so let's we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but just continue. But, but yeah, what I was just going to say was that uh, you know they won't all make it in the long term at Arsenal. They mm. won't all be here for the entirety of their prime years. But if they're involved in the squad and we sell them for twenty million, or in Awobi's case, it looks like it could be you know between thirty and forty. That's also great. That is also yep. great. And as sad as I am to see him go, you know, that money effectively, you could say, has been ploughed into the Pepe deal. And I think any Arsenal fan would have essentially taken that exchange. So, yeah. it, you know, it's mixed blessings. I think he's a dribbler, Iwobi. And I know we've brought in Pepe who does that, but to have one in, one out in terms of dribbling is a bit of a, a worry. So I hope that Reese Nelson and Bukayo Saka particularly sort of able to kind of step up and, and offer some of that themselves. Yeah, that was my uh, feeling which in the conversation I had with Andrew and Tayo was that, you know, if, if this opens the door for those rather than gives us more Mkhitaryan, then, you know, that will be the yeah. positive out- outcome of that. Uh, just as we speak, David Louise has been uh, officially announced as an Arsenal player. So there you go. Right. He is an Arsenal player. That's real, isn't it? <laughs> it's real uh, at last. <laughs> Uh, it, it, no, it feels weird, to, you know, like he's quite associated with Chelsea in my mind um, to see him, you know, in an Arsenal shirt. But uh, one thing I will say about Louise that I don't think he necessarily gets enough credit for is that in every dressing room he's in, 
He is an incredibly popular figure. He uh, has been very critical at Chelsea. I mean, critical in the sense of like important, uh, and with, in the international setup with Brazil too. He is very well liked. He has a little bit of that kind of Aubameyang thing, where you know I think he's quite good to be around. He can be a mm. positive influence. I think he's got leadership qualities actually, and I know it might seem strange for a player who can be quite erratic uh, on the pitch. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think he's a pretty good character. Uh, guess what number he's going to wear? Is it eight? No. No, we Ceballos. gave that to Ceballos. Ceballos has got yeah. eight. Um, what number, I James, think... would resonate with you? 23. 23. Of course it is. He's wearing the number 23. Wow, that's your wow. that's yeah, your my old hairstyle. <laughs> um, he really does. That's amazing. Yeah, mm. and uh, speaking of number twenty threes, I was Danny Welbeck turned up yesterday, didn't he, at Watford? Yeah, good for him. Uh, I mean, it was amazing that that uh, you know through the summer it was completely and utterly quiet about where Danny Welbeck was going to go. Mm. There were no rumors. There were no stories about clubs being interested. There were no none of it. And then all of a sudden he's gone to Watford. So you know he's just over the road in the training ground. The, you know. Yeah. There, the Watford training ground backs onto the Arsenal training ground. He can just pop in for a cup of tea, a lemon drizzle cake, or whatever. Say hello to the lads. It's a good move yeah, for him, though. He's got a play. He's got a play up front with Troy Deeney. I mean, I do feel for him in that. Yeah, regard. but they also bought the guy from Wren, Sar, Ismail oh, Sar. Did that happen? Yeah, it happened today. So, and we play Watford uh, he, in what mid September. So, so. Uh, you mentioned Eddie and Keria, and you know I would have liked to have keep uh, keep him, kept him, um, and given him the European games and the the League Cup games. But you know it's hard not to see how a, a season on loan would really, really benefit him at this point in his career. You know, week in, week out, he's fighting for a place in a team which will have ambitions to get back into the Premier League next season. So, you know, he's gone into a a club which has got high expectations, a lot of motivation for him to do well. They're going to push him hard. I think that's that's going to be really beneficial for him. And he's also going to work with a really interesting coach in, in, uh, in Bielsa. So, it feels to me like that's a that's a very positive move for for Eddie and Kedia. Yeah, I agree, and I wanted him to stay too. But if he's gonna go, I think this is a, a great loan move for him, and uh, I, th- I think he's going to score a lot of goals there. I really, really do. Mm, so do I. I hope so. I hope so. I hope he gets the chances. Okay. Well, look. We're going to leave it there. The signing of Louise has happened. I'm going to have to like uh, knuckle down and do some stuff on Arsbog News. Of course, we are going to be watching uh, Arsenal on Sunday and talking about it on Monday morning in mm-hmm. the first Arscast Extra of a brand new season. Um, we'll keep fingers crossed for that, James. Have a great weekend in, in Scotland, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye. So there you go. We've spoken to James. We've spoken to Tayo, Andrew and Kevin about all that's happened on Transfer Deadline Day and across the transfer window, which is now closed in England. Domestically, it is finished. I think we can still loan players to the championship. I think that's still possible or below to Leagues 1 and 2. Anyway, there's still some of that. And also, don't forget, we can sell players two clubs in Europe whose transfer windows have yet to close. So in Italy, it's August the 18th. In Spain, France, and Germany, 
I think it's September the 2nd. So there might well be one or two outgoings from the squad between now and the close of those windows. Um, So not all of our business is done and dusted. There's still time to do a couple of things which people might dig. So, uh, you know, we'll keep reporting on that. We'll keep talking about that in the podcast on Arsblog News and all the rest. So now the only thing left is football. Actual, proper, Premier League football starts again on Sunday and we face Newcastle away from home. I don't quite know what kind of squad we're going to have. Unai Emery is going to have a press conference tomorrow and we'll we'll get the latest team news. Is Lacazette fit? Is Pepe fit enough to start? Who's going to play at the center of our defense? All of these things I'm sure the manager will address and we will, of course, cover on the site. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a brand new season. I'm, I'm invigorated by what we've done in the transfer window. I hope it all comes together as well as I, I, I'm projecting at this moment in time because I still, even at whatever age I am right now, 47, I have this thing which I've had since I was a kid where on the eve of a brand new season, you're filled with this hope and optimism where you go, hey, everyone's starting from the same place. Why can't we be champions? That's in my heart. My head probably knows that that's not the case. Probably. No, I mean, really. I I do know that we're very unlikely, but why not? But, you know, why not? Why not? What if we just got in a run and everyone else went on terrible run of form and we you know what 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 if what if what if isn't that what keeps us going isn't that what drives us the next season will be better the next game will be better next month will be better whatever it is it's a brand new season and i'm well and truly excited for it i hope we can kick off with a win of course and take three points away at st james's park on sunday um whatever happens there james and i will be discussing it at length on the Arscast Extra on Monday. So things are getting back to normal, folks. We've got football back. We're into the routine again. It's going to drive us mad at times, no doubt, but also there's going to be lots of stuff which we're really going to enjoy, and hopefully there's more of the enjoyable stuff and less of the stuff that makes you want to, you know, jump out a window or drink a big goblet of poison. Hopefully there's much less of that and much more of the enjoyable stuff. What I can promise you is that whatever happens between now and May... We will do it all together here on the podcast, on the site. So thank you as ever for listening. Thank you for being with us through the summer. We've got through it. We've got a new season. Let's fucking do this and see where we end up. Who knows? It could be better than we think. And it might be a bit of crack along the way. Right. I'm going to leave it there. Have yourselves a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday with James on the Arscast Extra. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
Arsenal Football Club today completed the signing of transfer deadline day purple dildo. Despite also bringing in David Luiz and Kieran Tierney, it's the arrival of this world-famous sex toy that has captured the imagination of fans. Chairman Sir Chips Keswick says, We're going to stick this in the ear of every Premier League team this season. It's also believed that Raul Sanyehi got a Prince Albert. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.